0: Everybody, Dr. Axe here. Welcome to the show. This week, we have an incredibly brilliant doctor that i followed for a long time. His name is Zach Bush, MD. He is a renowned multidisciplinary physician who really focuses on internal medicine, endocrinology, hospice care, and also he is a world-recognized leader in uh, study of the gut microbiome and also how that relates To human health, the soil, our food systems, and regenerative agriculture. One of the things that I was so excited uh, to uh, to connect with you on here, uh, Zach, was sort of this connection between us and the earth. Uh, But everyone, again, uh, you know, want to welcome here, uh, Zach, Dr. Zach Bush. Thanks for joining me.
1: Amazing. So glad to be with you and the audience here, Josh. And uh, it is an exciting time. It's it's an exciting revelation, revolution. Uh, moment in human history and science as we've come in the last 10 years to stumble upon a really disruptive fact, which is the human cell is not at the center of human health, which is similar to perhaps finding out that the earth was not at the center of the universe 400 year, years ago. So we have this really you know challenging new perspective that the microbiome, the bacteria, the fungi, the protozoa, all these single cellular organisms that constitute the workforce within our bodies and constitute really the cellular soil system that would allow life to emerge, whether we be an earthworm or a dog or a cow or a human, we are the result of the soil that we live in on levels that we just could never have imagined before this advent of genomics. And it's really this technology of being able to genetically sequence the human body and genetically sequence ultimately the microbiome, the bacteria and fungi within our gut, where we started to really realize that our concept of human was was misplaced. We had thought that we were this you know finite number of 20,000 genes that we received from mom and dad and went on to build these bodies. But 20,000 genes turned out to be a miserably small number. We already knew that the fruit fly had 13,000 genes and the flea had 30,000 genes. So to find out that we fell somewhere between a flea and a fruit fly seemed really pathetic and perhaps is. But the story that that forced us into was a realization of the bodies that we build are coming out of a cellular intelligence of genomics and the proteins that would come out of those genes and the enzymes they would build and ultimately the bodies that they would build are are coming out of this higher intelligence of this depth of microbiology ecosystems within us that interact with the ecosystems around us to create the health that we experience.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. You know, one of the things I remember writing a book years ago called Eat Dirt, and in the book I go through, you know, when you study and look at, I think this is interesting too, going a little bit more spiritual, philosophical, when you look at, uh, you know, three of the world's largest religions, uh, you know, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, they all believe that we came from the earth. Like God created us from dust and mud and microbes and these things that are here on earth. So really understanding how deeply we're, we're we're supposed to be connected. I know one of the things I've heard you talk about, and I think we've both touched on this in terms of how important, how, how closely we are connected to uh, you know, nature in terms of, I mean, look at the effects that raw local honey has on your body or soil-based organisms and all of these different things. So excited to get in some of this stuff today. Uh, what, what I'd love to start with though, is talking about this gut microbiome and also sort of that relationship to the earth and also, Hey, how do we care for it? What are some things we need to be conscious of when it comes to our, uh, the health of our own gut microbiome and also this sort of, you know, biome in terms of the planet we live in.
1: Yeah, so the uh, the themes that have emerged from our lab really revolve around the ways in which microbes talk. And so the communication network that is produced by bacteria and fungi is a series of carbon molecules that can carry electrons. And this, this science is called redox chemistry. Uh, redox stands for reduction in oxidation, which is the transfer of electrons. And so very similar, if not identical, to the way in which you know, an electron would travel through the, the surface of a computer chip in your in your cell phone or something. It's traveling down these electrical pathways and and falling through trip wires of eyes and nose, you know, switches that determine where that digital signal ends up. That same thing is happening in the biochemistry of a body. These electron flows are being sent through these liquid circuit boards that are the gut lining or our neurologic system or the uh, fascial planes beneath our skin we have these systems of electron transfer uh, communication networks across body systems and there was a lot of you know temptation to believe that, that all of that occurred at the human level but to find out that it's the bacteria and fungi that actually produce the this wireless communication network that allows human cells to talk was a pretty big breakthrough for our lab back you know seven years ago and it really challenged all of science that we knew because, you know, I, I used to be a chemotherapy research guy in the cancer world. And when I was studying cancer, I was always in, in a sterile Petri dish. Same thing, you know, right across the, the hall from me was the cardiovascular laboratory and down the hall was our diabetes center. We were all studying human biology in sterile Petri dishes and making these, you know, black and white conclusions about human disease, human health. When we started making these breakthroughs in my lab in 2012, 2014, at this point, I had left academia and I had started my own little biotech lab in rural Virginia. And we were practicing in a nutrition center where we were teaching, you know, how to reverse chronic disease through nutrition. And it was in that journey of working with patients and their food that we started to realize the food wasn't working anymore. We had done something fundamentally to the food that would had had lost its, its, uh, al- its uh, medicinal properties there. The alkaloids there that are produced by these uh, metabolic pathways are a good example of it. Nonetheless, we, as we lost the medicinal quality and started to take on toxins into the food system, we started to see the failure of diet to be the foundation of health. And so it was in understanding kind of where this breakdown happened that we ended up in the soil and in the soil, we found these carbon molecules that once put back into petri dishes. Now, you can do this because it's, it's not taking bacteria and fungi and putting it in the petri dish, which would screw up any experiment you're doing there. We're instead taking just the communication network that the microbiome makes, putting that into a petri dish with human cells, and we can see an explosion of healing happen. Cells started communicating immediately. They started protein synthesis on levels and speeds we had never seen before. Three dimensional structures were being built in Petri dishes, which has never been seen. The communication of life was happening in a Petri dish for the first time because we had brought the intelligence of the microbiome back into the system. And so pretty stunning to imagine that all the science we know about cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, you name the disease, was studied in an isolated human system and therefore we believed in disease. When you start to study human cells in the context of its nature, it is always regenerative and it's always healing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. You know, One of the things I think that happens, Zach, is that people are not doing things in a holistic manner or in terms of a lot of these studies, again, are not done. And we take something that's done in a study and try and extrapolate it or say, hey, this is, this is the way it actually works in the human body. And it doesn't most of the time. And that's why, you know, I'm a huge fan of traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, all these ancient forms of medicine where they really accumulated essentially millions of individual case studies of seeing how does this thing work with this individual and watching that by observing the human body versus you've got pharmaceutical companies today saying, hey, we're going to do these trials on maybe an animal or do something on a Petri dish, and then we're going to say, hey, this affects this in this way and, ma- and, and creates these theories that they actually expect everybody to take on as absolute truth and fact. Anyways, that being said, that, that's what is so profound about what you're saying here is that this is the sort of, you know, being able to see things in this manner and understanding sort of the holistic nature, I think is really, really important. Um, talk to us about the uniqueness and of the human gut microbiome and how that affects the overall health of our body.
1: So the system of a garden is the easiest way to maybe, maybe picture this. But, you know, if you've ever gardened before, you know, you have to start with the soil. And so you got to go out there. You got to get, you know, you can't just go plant seeds in the, in the hard baked clay of, of the backyard under the playground set. So you got to get some soil that's got some air in it. It's got some life in it. You compost. Throw in some, you know, uh, compost and fertilizers, and you get this thing going. And yeah, you know, then then you need to care for the soil, right? You got to feed the plant, you got to take care of it, you got to make sure the earthworms are there, and you can do all this work. Somehow we we fundamentally forgot or perhaps failed to ever envision that human biology would have to be the same way because we need extraction of nutrients from a soil system to produce the energy that would produce a human body. We would need all the proteins and the trace minerals and everything else that we would find in soil is critical to every enzyme that we produce. We have over estimates between 280,000 and 400,000 different proteins in the human body all of those proteins are complex you know, structures of amino acids that are then folded in these amazingly intricate and beautiful ultrastructures that depend on micronutrients, microminerals being interlaced within those amino acid structures. And, and the complexity of that is fundamentally you know, a direct result of the soil in which it grows. So when you hear about gut health, you're really talking about the soil health of your body. What soil are you growing in? It's whatever's going on in your gut. So when you drink alcohol, it's a potent sterilizer of everything. That's why you put alcohol on your hands to sterilize your hands. You drink too much alcohol, and then you follow that with processed food chemicals, and you, you end up with a bunch of glyphosate in there, which acts just like alcohol by destroying tight junctions and, and being an antibiotic as well. And so you round up in glyphosate in your food system. You've got alcohol. You've got all these things that are destroying that system. And then you get an antibiotic from your doctor, decimates your gut flora, you're, all of these things are destroying and sterilizing the human experience. You end up in ICU, we end up giving you intravenous you know, uh, back, intravenous um, antibiotics and oral antibiotics on top of that. And we got antibiotics in every orifice that we can find. We're trying to steep your body in this effort to push back nature as if the human experience is gonna be protected. What we're really doing is sterilizing ourselves into this this literal biological loneliness, this state of isolation, that is makes life impossible to, to you know, illuminate or, or pursue. And so I'm, I'm just constantly amazed at, at our, in a lot of ways, hubris, that we thought that the human cell and the human being was some sort of, you know, high high invention of nature that was so, so such a high version of nature that we didn't need nature anymore. We were somehow apart from it. When you read the Oxford Dictionary's definition of nature, it says, well, it's all the minerals, flora, fauna, any. And anything alive or solid on earth as opposed to humans we literally said in opposition to humans in the definition of nature so we wrote ourselves out of the definition of nature some hundred years ago and in so doing we we guaranteed that we would do to the planet what we are doing today which is the sixth great extinction we've wiped out 50 percent of life on earth over 40 years we are looking at you know, maybe 80 years left of human life on earth We will take 80 to 95% of life with us as we go extinct. That pathway that we've created was because we wrote ourselves out of nature. And we began by writing ourselves out of this story of the soil and the gut microbiome. And so gut health as a concept is literally the soil of biology. If you lack that, you will not have vibrant life come out of the soil.
0: Wow. I mean, it's powerful. You know, one of the things, and I don't think people realize how quickly and really over the past 100 years how fast things have gone bad right i mean you look and this is just such a basic principle a lot of what you're getting into uh is is in a way it's more more complex than what i'm about to state but you know when i look at something even just as basic as you know the nutrient d- you know density being lessened in a tomato or an apple or just you know the produce we eat These things are significant. If you're getting 40% less magnesium in a tomato, that matters. I mean, all of this matters. And I just think about, you know, what we're doing and also what it means for, and I want to get into this as we dive into the regenerative agriculture, what it means to uh, you know, in terms of what we're doing with our carbon footprint, what, how all carbon and, and all of these other minerals that we're losing in the soil, what that does. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. I do want to sort of dive into and talk about, so we talked about the gut microbiome. Actually, before I do that, one other thing you talked about, we're living in this world today more than ever right now of over sanitation right and so it's just it's crazy everywhere you go there are hand sanitizers everywhere and so talk about w- w- what are the health effects so you talked about hey antibiotic drugs both intravenous and orally and there's hand sanitizers and there's you know all of these other things that we're exposed to round up in our food supply with all of that stuff plus these hand sanitizers when you when your gut microbiome is affected, what are some of the symptoms that people start to have? What are some of the main diseases people start to have ha, have over time?
1: So, yeah, it's a great question. And, and all you have to do is look at the last 20 years of public health to find out exactly what happens. And so by 1996, we debuted you know genetically modified crops that were Roundup ready, meaning for the first time in human history, we could spray crops directly with Roundup. We actually started in 1992 with wheat, which was not genetically modified. We were actually trying to kill the wheat. We were killing the wheat to dry it faster at the end of its growing season. And so as a desiccant, we started spraying crops. And so within years of that, we find gluten sensitivity in all of this because we were literally putting compounds within the wheat that were driving a leaky gut to occur. And, and then the wheat gets into the gut inappropriately. You develop an autoimmune response or immune sensitivity or you know, true autoimmune kind of process to the proteins that would come out of the wheat. So we, we started that process in 92 by 96. You got you know squash, corn, soybeans. Now we have 32 different crops that are genetically modified. Sugar beets, you know, go on down the list. As you get through all of those commodity crops, and you've laced it now with a, a, a toxin that destroys you know our boundary event, the the, the gut barrier as well as our blood brain barrier, kidney tubules. But at the same time, sequesters away the or uh, acts as an antibiotic in the soil systems. We can then see the results on humanity. And so, by the late 1990s, we see an explosion of autoimmunity. Everything from you know uh, the tick-borne allergy, which is giving people throughout the, the eastern seaboard down into Texas uh, um, a, a severe allergy to meat, any mammalian meat, you know, whether it be you know beef, pork, whatever it is, uh, lamb. All of these mammalian meats are triggering these massive anaphylactic shock kind of experiences after a tick bite. And it turns out that is a manifestation of the the ultimate collapse of microbiome intelligence within soil systems, within the tick itself, within the human, where we start to get overgrowth of some protein, uh, some microbes. And that then screws up protein structure and genomic sequencing in different structures. And so autoimmunity tends to be a lot of what we see emerge from this loss of biodiversity which is really telling because I think that if you've ever been in relationship before, you know, one thing about relationship is you will learn more about yourself than in any other matrix being in relationship. And your spouse will teach you more about who you are for all of the good stuff and all the bad stuff about who you are because they're that immediate mirror to who you are. It's through the diversity of relationship that we develop self-identity. And that is true at the cellular level. The microbiome diversity is literally how you will determine and experience who you are at the cellular level. Self identity is emerging from this. And so, when we reintroduce biome diversity and the communication network to human systems, it immediately makes those boundaries clear. You start making tight junctions again. You make a tight, you know, you reverse leaky gut. You have a tight blood brain barrier. All these compartments suddenly become well self identified. And in that, you are finding yourself. And so, it's amazing to see that autoimmune disease is the, the lack of sense of self. It's your immune system getting confused about what's outside and what's inside, what's foreign and what's you. And so the immediate ramifications of a loss of microbiome diversity within us seems to be this manifestation of lots of self-identity at the immune system level. And so then you start fighting everything. You're in a food fight against everything you put in your mouth. You're spending energy doing cell repair and fighting the food and allergies and sensitivities and Now you go into any school system and and you've got one in four children with a food sensitivity. Now they can't tolerate food that has grown on this planet for years. And this is not just like chemicals. This is like the peanut being the famous one, but now it's avocados and onions and garlic. And you know, these things that are fundamentally medicinals are now becoming toxins to these kids because they have lost their self identity. They no longer understand what an onion is they get confused as to maybe this is an invader, maybe this is that, so they're reacting. So autoimmunity is an early sign of loss of biodiversity. And then the next step as you continue to decline down that, that system is to start to realize that you are losing your, your mechanisms of repair. And so a loss of regenerative capacity is one of the fundamental second events that we start to see when you lose regenerative capacity, you start to age quicker. And so you start to see diseases that used to be, you know, hallmarks of our seventies, eighties, and nineties happening in adults who are 30, 40, 50 years old now. And so we've jumped 20, 30 years in our disease expression because of this rapid aging due to the loss of the soil loss of biodiversity, therefore the loss of regenerative capacity. The final thing that I would throw in there is, you know well there's two more layers yes the next thing is the loss of energy and so when you do not have the workforce within you which is the soil microbes you lose energy at the cellular level it's now estimated that at least 90 percent of the energy and work done in a human bo- energy produced and work done in the human body is done by a microbe not by a human cell and so when, when you lose 90 percent of your workforce through antibiotics and herbicides and pesticides and and destruction of soil systems around us and all of this you end up with a deficiency of energy. When you and I went to medical school, Josh, the number one complaint in family family clinics and all that was back pain. Today, it's chronic fatigue, lack of sleep, quality, major depression, no energy. So you got chronic pain syndromes that have emerged. That's the new primary care office we have lost the energy for cellular action. And so we have chronic fatigue, we have collapse of, of emotional capacity, we have collapse of, of motivation to, to get, be better. And so this is the, the new disease process of a lack of energy as we destroy microbiome. The final thing is really lack of, of um, connectivity. And so cancer is the hallmark of isolation of a single human cell. When a single human cell becomes isolated, it immediately begins to march into cancer and so with the loss of microbiome we lose the tight junctions and more importantly the gap junctions which are the fiber optic cables that connect cells so that they can communicate in the cytoplasm transferring light energy and literal you know uh, fuel for one another as well as resources that can be trafficked between cells and all of that as soon as the gap junctions are lost you start to develop cancer and so the march from the loss of microbiome and the ecosystems around us and our food and water systems and the like, autoimmunity, lack of regeneration and accelerated aging, lack of uh, energy production and, and drop in metabolism, which gives you diabetes, chronic fatigue, all of that, to finally the isolation, which will give you an explosion of cancer. We've seen all of those happen over the last 25 years.
0: And this is a brilliant breakdown, uh, Zach. And you know, as I think about this too, I think about how uh, a few things. Uh, one, I think about again. Th- this is so, you know, our, our connection to the earth is so important. By the way, you you worded what I, the root of autoimmune disease better than anyone I've ever I, I, I've heard describe this. You know, I think about this. Like I've got a daughter right now who's one years old, and there's not a single thing she doesn't put in her mouth. Innately, she knows I am supposed to put everything. <laughs> I'm supposed to put the dog bull in my mouth. I'm putting mulch in my mouth. I'm putting the grass in, like everything it's innate within her. She knows, uh, you know, I, I need to immunize myself or I, you know, naturally, yeah. you know, b- strengthen, you know, expose myself, expose myself, expose myself. And so it's just, you know, if people just stand back and watch. And, and this is the thing I think we're missing so much in the medical community today is it's, you know, you, you, we're missing the forest through the trees. It's like, we're looking at everything under a microscope. And it's like, if you just step back and look at a child, and look at nature, and look at the way things are. It so a lot of this is just common sense, and when you get out the biases of the pharmaceutical companies, you just sort of, you know, a lot of this is just sort of obvious to I think someone like yourself, especially who has this big picture perspective to start, and then we can wean down and look at the microscopic things. But you got to start with that big picture. I also think about it like this. You mentioned, you know, in, in Chinese medicine, the root of autoimmune disease and cancer, uh, they, they say diet is very important, but they say what's equally important is emotions. So they will say, you know, when you have somebody who has autoimmune disease where the body's literally attacking itself, those people tend to have a, uh, tend to have um, so, sort of this, uh, this emotional and mental uh, thing where they attack themselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough, oh, like like these things to where they body attacks themselves, and some thing, cancer cancer in Chinese medicine is all about things you you're, you're part of it is you're missing connection so or your connections are bad, so unforgiveness is one of the biggest emotional roots of cancer in all of Chinese medicine because you have a bad connection to a person and you're letting that bad connection influence you so anyways, I, I love this so much because all of these things again, are so important. And, and a lot of times, you know, we're not, we're, we're not hearing about this enough in terms of how, how important our connection is at the earth. And as you said, the past 40 years, things have gotten worse and worse and worse every single year. This is why one of the things that you have done, uh, I know one of your missions is helping heal the planet and doing that with the power of regenerative agriculture. Talk to us a little bit about sort of the degradation of our soil today. What that's doing to our climate, our environment, to our human bodies, and then also how do we start to heal and repair the planet?
1: Yeah, great questions. And so the I'll I'll start back at the Chinese medicine perspective because I see it so true and maybe it has implications for the planet as well. But the intriguing thing is we start to look at the power of the microbiome and the role of the microbiome, the role of the microbiome in human biology, and we find out that, that even the emotions are dictated by our connectivity to the microbiome. And so 90% of the serotonin made in your body is made in the gut lining. And it's made by these tiny little cells that are called enteric endocrine cells. And the EEC or enteric endocrine cell it, it, uh, populates you know, as much as 10% of the gut lining. So you've got billions of these enteric endocrine cells that align the gut. And they interact with a very specific species of bacteria in order to make serotonin. If you take an antibiotic, your risk of major depression after just one course of antibiotic for a UTI or upper respiratory infection, whatever you're doing, that one course of antibiotics increases your risk of major depression by about 20%, 24% in the next year. If you take two courses of antibiotics over the course of a 12-month period, your risk of major depression increases by 54%. And so you can can radically increase your risk of major depression and that sense of disconnectedness, that emotional ability the I am not enough by just taking an antibiotic that has never been warning on a on an antibiotic package before. And yet we've known that science for almost 20 years now. We've known that relationship. And yet no doctor is trained in medical school today to say, hey, by the way, you've got a UTI and I'm going to give you this antibiotic, but your risk of major depression is going to go up by 50 percent we have to start looking at ourselves as an ecosystem. And if we don't start treating the human life and human condition as a complete result of the soil systems that are within them, we are going to continue to do the wrong thing. We're going to continue to isolate and destroy that patient's connectivity to nature rather than foster health. And so that, you know, journey started taking me down into this understanding of what do we need to do? And the answer was, you know, obviously in the soil for human health, but as I started studying soil, I realized that, we have so decimated the the soil systems of the planet that we're starting to fail biology as a whole. And so all of this news over the last 30, 40 years around climate change and uh, global greenhouse gases, all of that, it turns out that's all symptoms of a collapse of soil systems. And this has happened before. The last great extinction event that happened 55 million years ago was the result of death of topsoil. And what occurred at that point was a large asteroid hit the planet and covered the planet in this deep layer of dust that choked out the topsoil, respiratory function of of topsoil, and it couldn't breathe. And as soon as you lose respiratory capacity of the soil systems, you start getting CO2 accumulation in the air because the earth is supposed to be breathing that in all the time. Destroy the lungs of the planet, you suddenly accumulate CO2 in the atmosphere, and the only place to sink that now is the oceans. When the oceans pull CO2 in excess into their their water structure, they acidify. And the acid ocean is what ultimately leads to the great extinction of the planet. And so right now we have killed 97%. We have depleted or severely depleted 97% of the arable soils on the planet over the last 45, 50 years. That is the result of mega chemical and industrial farming. And so as we march across the world with bigger and bigger versions of spraying machines and, you know, aerial spraying through airplanes, and we have figured out all kinds of ways to get more and more toxins and antibiotics into our soil systems globally. In so doing, in that depletion, we have choked the lungs of the planet and we are now moving into the sixth great extinction, not because of what we're eating, but because we're what the planet's not breathing. And so we have a fundamental crisis on our hands that is much greater than human health we have a planetary crisis that is threatening the loss of life on a a grandiose scale. And so we have to do this quickly. We have about eight years to reverse the the respiratory function of the planet. If we do not, the oceans will hit this tipping point of acidification around 2030, 2032, somewhere in there. We hit this acidification event, which is irreversible. It takes millions of years to deacidify oceans. And so we are eight to 10 years away from triggering a massive planetary event that would necessitate us to go to Mars or find another planet if we are to survive, because this planet is about to be in, uninhabitable for multicellular life on the, in most of the forms we can think of it in the coming decades. The crisis is so immediate. The crisis is so grand that no amount of attention can, can really give it its due justice. So we started Project Biome uh, in uh, a number of years ago, 2018, three years ago, I guess it is. Um, And so we started Project Biome, which is looking at soil, water, and air systems and how we regenerate there. And it's a nonprofit. Our first project was Farmer's Footprint, uh, launched Farmer's Footprint with a film around regenerative agriculture and its connection to human health. And it was that latter part, the direct connection of chemical agriculture to the destruction of human health in the form of autoimmunity, lack of energy, the, the cellular, you know, failure of cellular repair, black, black, the rapid aging, the disconnect with cancer, connecting all of that back to our agricultural chemical processes was enough to really change the trajectory of that industry. And so we've become one of the more influential voices out there in regenerative agriculture because it's not about soils. It's about life. It's something much greater than just the idea of dirt or soil. It's the idea of are we going to be a planet that can inhabit life? Uh, in the in the coming decades and and we're right on the bubble and so we have to become a pro-creative force as consumers to empower our farmers to do the right thing right now so that's what farmers footprint and project biome are up to
0: well i love what you're doing in your mission to help heal the planet and i'll show this I'm, I'm always very open i know that again like in terms of what what you believe in terms of the uh um, you know, in terms of how it's going to come to pass and what's happened, we have a lot of agreement and alignment here. The one thing I, I, I always share with everybody is I'm a creationist and so really believe in terms of God, how he created the planet. But again, the thing that I know 100% we can agree on is this, is that, you know what, like we, we have in 40 years done so much damage and decreased the topsoil so much. It, it is, it it, it it is it is time to take it very, very seriously and to uh again we're we're doing damage that can take a very very, very long time to repair. And right now it doesn't look like it's necessarily getting better. And I will say this, in the past couple of years, more companies have started realizing, I think, hey, we need to focus on things like regenerative agriculture. And this is a really big deal. I know myself and Jordan Rubin, we co-own about 4,000 acres of certified organic land where we practice regenerative agriculture. We have uh, a large farm in the Ozarks, kind of Southern Missouri. We have some in Tennessee. We're looking at doing more in Puerto Rico. But all that being said, I just think you know when you look at most of these companies, uh, they are they are you know destroying the planet in a huge way. It's funny if you know, somebody like Bill Gates, just as an example, I read the article a couple months ago. He is now the largest farmland owner in all in all of America, and you know, and also his one of his biggest partners is Monsanto. And so, thinking about that. Would you just talk about for a minute about sort of the agricultural industry, like like what? What is it that people, because I think a lot of times Zach, people think this, they think it's air pollution, it's cars, you know, giving off like, like, they, I think they think that that's the biggest, not that that's not a problem because it's a problem, but what is the biggest problem? Like, what are we doing? What are agricultural companies doing? Or, or what is the biggest thing or the biggest things today that are actually destroying the soil?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that the two biggest problems for soil infrastructure is chemical spraying, number one, and number two, plowing. If you pick up any Western civilization textbook, it'll tell you that Western civilization began in 900 AD with the invention of the plow. It turns out that that would be the demise of the planet. Mm -hmm. And so Western civilization has had our in our crosshairs the planet since our origin. And so with the invention of the plow, we started to disrupt soil systems in their metrics in their matrices of uh, uh, fungal systems of mycelium that traffic nutrients and do the intelligent transmutation of nutrients throughout soil systems. And then create the mycorrhizae, which are this magical, weird, you know, thirds, you know, like ethereal non-species structure within soil that is the communication network between the root systems of plants and the and the uh, mycor- or, I'm sorry, and the mycelium of the fungi. So the mycorrhizae are these weird, like hair-like structures. When you find good soil and you throw your shovel in there, you flip it over. It looks like there's spider webs through the system. That spider web, white, lacy stuff, is is the mycorrhizae. And so the mycorrhizae and and the mycelium of the network of the fungi are literally like the the life's blood of this communication network that would allow. Soil systems to be regenerative, to grab carbon out of the atmosphere, to turn it into nutrients through the process of photosynthesis and the like, to create carbo, uh, carbohydrates or fatty acids and the like. So, that whole translation between air and soil is dependent on the fungi. And so, when you start to overplow, uh, you lose that whole matrix there. And then you just add to that chemical spraying and you decimate the, the, the respiratory function as well as the biologic, you know, energetic functions within that soil system.
0: Yeah, so 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 one of the things for everybody listening here, and what uh, Zach is so brilliantly explaining. By the way, we could probably do a whole thing on mushroom mycelium and just the power of them to help heal the planet and all of this. Uh, all all that being said, again, as Dr. Zach is saying here, one these chemical fertilizers like Roundup and uh, the pesticides, the herbicides, all all of all of these things that are sprayed in huge, huge amounts on everything. And then the animals eat them. And then we have that as well. So all of this stuff is degrading the planet. But also I get, I think this is something that shocks people. And I want to just go back and say this. So myself and Jordan Rubin really believe that, you know, when you look at the original garden of Eden, uh, in terms of our belief system, and that was things were, 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 uh, you know, they were perennials. These were food forests. And, you know, and, and we weren't going in and like digging up the soil a lot. I don't think people realize one of the biggest things that destroys the soil is planting annual crops such as corn and soy and wheat, these things to where you're continually, uh, you know, disrupting this, um, you know, the, the, the soil. And so what, what happens with that, Zach? Can you talk about carbon and what's really like sort of what happens when. So think about this. A lot of times people think, hey, you should be we should be digging and shoveling and like mixing the dirt up but that's really bad right yeah the
1: mistake we've made is is breaking carbon cycles and so uh, if you can't if, if carbon cannot cycle through biology on the planet we immediately lose the vitality of the planet and you can do this in a number of different ways but but breaking the respiratory cycle we can't breathe in co2 is one approach but if you overplow or destroy the microbiome and you can't get those those carbon nutrients back up into the plant you also lose the game if you then use those plants to instead of making food, you decide to dedicate 90% of the entire Midwest with all of our corn production to making ethanol for fossil fuel additives for our cars, which is what we've done. All of that ethanol production is going into either gasoline or into plastics. And so it, plastics is another dead end of carbon and where now you, you know, without widespread you know reutilization of that carbon source it ends up as a waste product that destroys ocean systems kills fish you know everything else and so whenever we create a dead end in the carbon cycle we we increase toxicity and we undermine life on earth so one of my companies is called resource dynamics you can check out resource uh we're working on a netflix series right now to debut this technology of the world next year but It's a carbon conversion technology that can take farm waste, plastics, tires into biodiesel, naphtha for heavy and light naphthas, uh, uh, asphaltines for street work. Uh, You've got uh, carbon black for uh, everything from manufacturing laser printers all the way down to the tire industry. You've got uh, uh, biochar coming out of there for soil remediation. So we can take these waste products and literally turn use every single aspect of it and it's done under a vacuum. So there's no emissions in this process of reharvesting all of the carbon potential within plastics or farm waste or all these dead ends. And so resource dynamics is looking at the possibility that we could re-envision a planet that runs on carbon. Again, we have demonized carbon as much as we have abused carbon. We, we vilify CO2 as if it's the cause of global warming. No, it's not causing anything. It is the symptom of a planet that cannot breathe. CO2 accumulating in the atmosphere is the symptom of the loss of lungs. It's like telling people, somebody with emphysema, you're dying from carbon dioxide. No, you're dying because your lungs are dead. You can't exchange carbon dioxide and oxygen across that surface of the lung. And so we have made the mistake of, of vilifying CO2. And in so doing now, we're paying billions of dollars for engineers to dream up ways to suck CO2 out of the atmosphere into tanks and sequester it away. The idea of carbon sequestration is insane. Those two words should never be put next to each other because if we start sequestering carbon, i.e. taking it out of the carbon cycle, the planet will die faster. And so this whole climate change thing drives me crazy because it's not biologically based. It's not looking at biologic systems. And I I get really upset about it. I hear you. I'll try to shake that off for a second and get back into positive atmosphere. But the answer is obviously sitting right in front of us, which is the mycelium, which is the microbiome, which is the respiratory function of, of the soil systems. And so if we remediate soil systems around the planet to regenerative agriculture, we can reverse the entire climate change process that we're in the midst of. And the amount of soil improvements is pathetically small. We only need zero point four percent improvement in the respiratory carbon capacity of soils globally to completely reverse the whole CO two accumulation in the atmosphere. Zero point four percent improvement. Well, it turns out if you do regenerative agriculture, you can 400 percent improve the carbon cycle within that soil. Thousands and thousands of times more effective than is needed to reverse the entire thing. We could in the next eight years reverse the entire climate change story, reverse the risk of it simply by mandating this year that we stop spraying, stop plowing and go to a no till process, which is already well established in every crop system has been you know, used in no-till systems, it works, it's easy. It's actually cheaper than tilling. So you go to a no-till system, you go to a, a biologic carbon capture through, uh, through uh, cover cropping, no more naked fields. We don't want any of this, you know, plowed fields that are just bare soil anywhere in the planet. That is insane. That is killing the, the function of the, of the planet. So mandatory cover crops, 12 months out of the year, no bare soils, no plowing no chemical inputs, and to, instead only biologic inputs. All of this has been tried and true. We've got decades of farming experience around the world. We've seen millions of acres already make this transition. We now need a couple hundred million acres to make this transition. And the whole problem will be put aside. We literally are eight years away from not only the crisis, we are eight years away from the solution. We could be a new species wow. integrated back into the planet if we mandate regenerative agricultural practices. So we're launching a big impact investment fund right now, Biome Capital, uh, and we've got huge stakeholders in every sector, which is exciting. Some of the largest growers in the country, some of the largest um, pension funds in the world, some of the largest CPG companies in the world are are coming at us to participate. Billions of dollars is gonna be exercised ultimately through these mechanisms of impact funding that will be building the infrastructure that is necessary to make regenerative practices the norm within eight years. We have to do it. The speed is necessary, and and the the impact will be that of life versus death.
0: Hey, guys. Dr. Axe here. You know, I founded Ancient Nutrition with Jordan Rubin because we are on a mission to bring you history's healthiest whole food nutrients that can help you transform your health. You know, we've seen these amazing health transformations with our own families. My mom, Jordan himself, and our friends by using these ancient principles. And we use ancient principles when we formulate each and every one of our products. In fact, our turmeric formula uses the ancient Ayurvedic method and has other herbs to make the turmeric more absorbable, and we want you to experience these incredible benefits. Whether you're looking to boost your immune system, improve digestion, balance hormones, increase energy, sleep more soundly, or get the beauty benefits of thicker hair and fewer wrinkles, Ancient Nutrition is here to support you. Get $10 off your next purchase of just $40 or more with the code PODCAST10. I can't wait to hear about your personal health transformation. You know, one of the things, uh, Zach, as you're saying all this, as I think about as we're talking about farming, as we're talking about people, uh, you know, the planet and people. And so I, you know, I believe that we're all called to do three Th- three big things and contribute in three ways to the world. What one way is uh, I believe we're called all called to love God, love people and make earth a heavenly place. And, and God, one of the things that makes him happy is us loving people and loving the planet. And I think if everybody could just sort of focus on, Hey, h- how do I, how do I love people more, build more, deep deepen relationships, add value, what, you know, uh, you know, do, do under my neighbors, I'd have them doing under me. And then also heal the planet, focus on, I mean, I think about what God has given us as a gift. He's given us people, and the planet, and we have been terrible stewards over this, you know, this this place that all of us reside. And so, again, I, I am so for these missions that you are for, and all of these things that you're doing, and helping heal the planet. And I think too, one of the things that happens is that I think so many people are just uneducated. I think we're in a world today where, rather than education, we're all about entertainment, and so people don't understand these things to the not even close to the depth that you understand them. And so anyways, I'm I'm all for, you know, I want, I want as many people as possible to hear the wisdom you've shared today in terms of our gut microbiome, our deep connection to the planet, regenerative agriculture, because these things are critically important to our future. And the other thing is for our kids future. It's like, I've, I've, you know, our one-year-old here running around, it's like, Hey, if we're talking about what's the planet going to be like, you know, 20 years from now for her, you know, it, it, It depends on us. And so all of us have a choice uh, in terms of, are we going to be part of the problem or part of the solution? I want to encourage you guys. And Zach, could you share again some of the links to uh, some of the, uh, you know, the mission driven organizations you've started or you're a part of?
1: Yeah. So I guess uh, starting at the beginning of the podcast, um, we talked about the soil um, intelligence of soil and and the communication network of bacteria and fungi. For a lot more of that science, you can go to ION, I-O-N biome b-i-o-m-e.com ionbiome.com that's all the soil science the intersection of human health and soil health uh, you can go to uh, farmersfootprint.us, uh, which is our uh, nonprofit around regenerative agriculture you can go to projectbiome.org to look at the kind of the soil water and air systems vision that we have for rolling out much bigger programs to, to remediate those systems Um, we just launched project biome australia so if you have listeners in australia uh, project biome australia is is heating up right now taking funds in and uh, speeding up uh, programming and and uh, awareness strategies there in australia um there's the website zachbushmd.com which is my educational platform so i have uh, hundreds of hours of lectures on many many things in, in that space uh i would go to the knowledge page there to the Global Health Education Summit. Every month I do a deep dive on a topic. Um, uh, We covered the virome during COVID. We covered uh, the innate immune system and what that is. And it it alternates kind of between a deep science dive where I, I show you how the science of something is working through PowerPoint and presentation. And then the next month, We'll typically have a panel of doctors and scientists on, giving different perspectives on a topic. Um, so that's free. There's no paywall. That's been totally supported by uh, by community donations since the Global Health Education Summit. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of deep dive there on a lot of topics. We've done death and dying, the brain. You know, just we, we're doing the heart and the cardiovascular system uh, this coming uh, month. So lots of exciting content there. ZachBushMD.com on the knowledge page there for the Global Health Education. Uh, In addition, you can, uh, you know, the energy stuff, uh, we mentioned resource dynamics, uh, LLC.com is that website. And uh, that'll give you a a glimpse of this carbon conversion technology that allow us to recapture it. You mentioned that you and uh, Jordan are working on all the hemp growing. And it's interesting that hemp has become very fast, one of our biggest global greenhouse gas problems because hemp cane does not compost well. And yeah. so it's an end, end product that we haven't, we've taken out of production. And we used to turn it all into to linens, obviously, with, through fiber production, but because we eliminated all of the, the fiber uh, trains, uh, the hemp trains that ran around the United States in the late 1880s when cotton took over, we don't have the infrastructure to take all that hemp that's being grown all over this country now. Yep. And we now have millions of tons, millions of tons of, of the hemp cane That is off-gassing methane, which is one of the most potent greenhouse gases on the planet. And so Resource Dynamics has partnered with uh, one of the the largest hemp growers in the world now, uh, CBD producers, to create the first closed carbon loop. Uh, farming system where all that hemp cane becomes input into the machines. The machines then crank you out biodiesel for the fleet. So you're no longer using fossil fuels to, to run the farm. And you're creating all of the biochar that remediates the soil, makes a much you know, uh, more carbon dense product the following year, changes the medicinal quality of, of the CBD, THC quality of those products as well. So it's this cool thing where once you find carbon cycles and you redo it, the, the medicinal quality of the food comes back. We will make humanity healthy again if we obey the laws of nature around carbon, hydrogen, and water. And so, those are some of the projects you can dive into. And uh, I think that'll satiate just about everything, buddy. There.
0: I love it. That's great, Doctor Zach. Well, I want to say too, you know, one of the things that our, our missions is that, that we uh, I hadn't mentioned yet is in, in in alignment with what you're doing is really looking at again, and we do grow some hemp. So anyways, that technology, I need to connect you with Jordan and we need to to utilize that. But we are uh, planting 10 million trees in 10 years, 10 million superfood trees, moringa, mulberry, many others. And we've already planted, I think 100,000 this year alone. And so anyways, we're really excited to do what we can to continue to help heal the planet and be in partnership and and on mission with you to help heal the planet. So anyways, again, I, I love all of this. I wanna encourage everybody, go and check out all of these resources and links we're going to have these on our website. We're going to have these uh, in the links below. So make sure to check out. And education is so key. I think the more that we're all educated and we can learn more about what Dr. Zach here is talking about, it, it allows us to also share this with others. It changes our action. Uh, so again, I just want to encourage you, continue to learn, be a lifelong learner, be educated. And then when you learn something, take action on it, be part of the solution loving people, love the planet. Well, if you do that, you're going to be healthier for it as well. I want to say again, Dr. Zach Bush, thanks so much for coming on today.
1: Appreciate being with all of you.
0: Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Make sure to go to my recent Instagram post and let me know what your favorite part of the show was. Also, don't forget to follow me at Dr. Josh Axe, there on Insta, where I cover the latest health trends, natural medicine, and so much more. Also, if you're loving this podcast, do me a big favor, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Thanks so much for being on mission with me. See you next week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not
1: been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.